The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi everybody, how you doing? Welcome back to another episode of the show. Uh, things are going really good with my classes in Florida and Maryland. The uh, Florida class is going to be closed for pre-registration. We've got that one pretty much packed full. Uh, I have a couple of spots open for Maryland. I could probably fit maybe two or three more people in there, and then that's pretty much it. So I just want to say thanks a lot for everybody who registered. I'm really excited for the classes. I really look forward to teaching those. I have a really great guest this week. I've got uh, Miro Hernandez from Dandyland Piercing in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, Miro is a longtime piercer, really active in the APP, former APP board member, and uh, was given one of the uh, the BVLA Golden Piercer Awards one year. Uh, I'm not entirely sure what that means, but uh, probably means that he has a, a lot of really nice jewelry available in his studio. Uh, we talk about all different kinds of stuff. We talk about uh, different things related to apprenticeships. Uh, we talk about Tribalectic. Uh, if you weren't part of that website, uh, it was a pretty big deal in the, the piercing industry in the, the early 2000s. It was kind of not really right at the level of BME, but I, I'd say kind of parallel. You know, a lot of people that were interested in, in body piercing, both as a practitioner and as a collector, were, you know, pretty heavily involved in, uh, in tribalectic. So there was a lot to learn there. We talk about that a little bit. We talk about uh, the, the kind of career arc where, you know, maybe it can take you about five to seven years before you can really hit that stride of like, you know, experience piercer, you know, really knowing what you're doing. Uh, you know, unless you have that guidance, you know, there are definitely some piercers who are, you know, much uh, much earlier in the game and, and really have it kind of figured out. You know, you have people like Tobias and you have other people who have uh, seemed to, to kind of take to it a, a little bit quicker than others. Um, but, you know, I feel like for me, and I, I think Mira would probably say the same for himself, it was really that kind of five to seven year window before you really started to figure out how to, to put all the pieces together. So we talk about that a little bit, and then we just kind of talk about our studio. Um, one big theme we, we kind of hit on is... Uh, if you build it, they will come. You know, if you put in the hard work, um, if you pay attention to your clientele, if you pay attention to your market, and uh, you know you cater your jewelry and services to to those factors, um, you're you're going to end up having a, a pretty good career out of it. I think so. You know, listen in as we talk about it. It's going to be maybe an hour or so conversation, and then I'll be back a little bit at the end. Hey, this is Milo Hernandez. I'm from Dandyland in San Antonio. I want to thank Ryan for having me out. Uh, if you ever want to chat about anything, any topics we have, I'm always open and you can find me on social media on Facebook and Instagram. My handle's Piercer Mito. That's Piercer M-I-R-O. And the studio is uh, Dandyland TX on Instagram. How long has uh, uh, how long has Dandyland been in business? We just hit our in November. November was our twenty second year of operations. Wow, nice. Uh, yeah, you know, we've definitely we managed to survive a couple of those little drops, you know, when when piercing kind of slowed down a little bit. And I, and I think that might have been like one of the transition phases where you started seeing more people, you know, more people were flocking to those smaller little places here and there because they were cheaper. But then that kind of gave the, the the people that were looked for a little bit more forward thinking during that dip, they looked for ways to be more progressive within the industry, you know. And right. I think that's, that's one of the things that really helped us out. And I've noticed that it's definitely over the years it's evolved and it's, it's gotten the industry to where it's at right now, you know, being able to have that foresight, and being able to look at trends and, 
not only, you know, like, you know, trends that are going on in your studio, but what's going on with your marketing and your branding, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's created a completely different studio than what it was, you know, when we first got in, you know, when we started piercing, you know, 15 plus years ago. Have you, have you been there the whole time? Have you worked in other studios? Yeah, no, I had a really, you know, typical, you know, I've been next, I'll become about 17 years. Uh, I had the typical, like really bad apprenticeship, like, here you go, just mimic what I do and go with it kind of things. And spent, I spent some time after that refining myself. I had a great friend, you know, after that first studio I was at that I, I had my, I guess my, my entrance into the industry at, uh, the second studio I ended up at, uh, the, the person that owned the studio at the time, I uh, was Kristen Lyon and she, uh, she actually just opened up and said, you know, the piercing side yours to do. It's like the only things I want from you from that piercing side coming out is I want implant grade and I want internally threaded jewelry. Nice. Uh, Cause at the time that's what Dandelion was doing already. You know, okay. there were a hand, there were a handful of studios in the local history. You know, there was Dandelion, it was Minks and Backbone. And those three studios all had APP members at the time and everybody was using good quality jewelry. And he happened to, or she happened to work over at Dandyland at the time opened up her own studio. Uh, and those were the only implications she had for me to start to do the piercing. And it just pretty much ran from there. And after we closed our doors, I got the opportunity to, uh, to take some of my customers over to Dandyland to pierce, you know, and it eventually developed into a really great relationship. And I got offered a full-time position there and I'll be coming up on 14 years here pretty soon. That's awesome. So, okay. As someone who got to kind of start in the industry, um, you know, I'd say kind of ahead of the curve, you know, you got to start with, with good quality jewelry and you had like, you know, it seems like you had some, some good support. Do you feel like there were still years where you were kind of like plateaued and stagnant, or do you feel like you just kind of hit the ground running and it was just kind of like a, an upward trend the whole time? I, I think it was, it was more like hills and valleys and mountains and valleys and anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I started off, I hit the floor running, you know, and then I definitely hit a point where I was stagnant at the very first place because it was just one of those get them in, get them out kind of shops, bang right. that cheap ET stuff in them, you know, uh, without any care for anything whatsoever. On my own, I had been doing a lot more research. I had been part of the tribalectic forums at the time. Uh, I was able to pick up a lot of knowledge from some of the guys on there as far as what I was doing wrong. Uh, and I just went from there when I went to the next studio, Jolly Roger. And when I was there, I was there for three years by myself as a piercer. And, you know, as that knowledge continued to grow, it definitely hit a point where I felt a little bit stagnant. And then, uh, then the opportunity came at Dandelion, and that's where it's pretty much been – you know, this slight uphill battle for the past 14 years or not really battle, but it's, you know, nonstop learning. Yeah. So I, I like that you brought up tribalectic because I, I think a lot of people kind of forget about them because, you know, I, I don't know if they even exist in some form as a website now, but there was definitely a point where, you know, when BME was really this like monster in the industry, tribalectic was really starting to come to the forefront and saying like, you know, you know, we like piercing too. We want to give you an alternative. Like if you don't want to cut your dick off, you can come and talk about, you know, body piercing over here. And I remember being yeah. um, a little bit active on tribalectic, but not, not too, too much. I wasn't really involved in a community or anything, but what was your, what was your experience like on tribalectic? Oh, it was great. You know, this was very early on, you know, and I was, I was, I got to be part of the piercer forum, you know, which was strictly, it was a lot of the the people who didn't want to deal with BME anymore, you know? Right. Uh, so, you know, you had like, at the time it was John Lopez, it was in there and Rick Free, they were all, uh, Gus from Paragon, 
uh, you know, just a lot of the old schoolers that were around even before we started doing this. Uh, and they were just dropping knowledge left and right on everybody. And it was amazing, you know, and that was definitely a point where I felt where I felt really like I was actually learning something besides just going through motions and understanding the process behind everything and why we do things the way we do. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, I remember, I remember them. Maybe I should try to drag out some, uh, track down some more information about them for like a future episode. Cause I, I know a lot of other piercers, you know, maybe not the ones who have been piercing for like five years or less, but the piercers who are in that kind of like 10 to 15 year experience zone. Like I, I you know, I think Tribalectic had a pretty big impact on them. Oh, absolutely. You know, between that and you had the, the I am learning forum on BME, you know, that I am community was really great about it. Although, you know, the, some of the stories of people just getting flamed online, you know, definitely with what's happened over the past couple of years and people getting a lot more brazen to speak up, you know, the way they are, it's definitely, it's very, very reminiscent of how some of these people were getting flamed, but not quite at that level. Yeah. See, okay. So I never really had an experience where I got torn apart because I wasn't super active in those forums. I was more of a lurker, you know, like I would read everything, but I wasn't really posting a lot of stuff. And I think that's because at the time, you know, I, I definitely would not have considered myself an authority or like really well experienced or anything. I, I you know, I tried to be forward thinking, but uh, I knew that I wasn't really ready to kind of like chime in at, at that kind of high of a level you know somebody like rick free would have probably torn me apart on like the the technical aspect of it at the time so you know i i sat around i read a lot and i learned a lot but um i wasn't super super active in those forums i was really active for bme with like scarification and like you know the whole like wannabe doctor kind of click you know it took me a while to really get that body piercing was something that um you know, it's like a that sweet science kind of thing. It wasn't just like, you know, and body piercing. It was like, you know, body piercing, you know, you, you really have to put in the time and the effort if you want to if you want to hit that like upper echelon. Yeah, no, you know, and I've definitely I, I think what I over the years I've come to have this kind of self-realization. And I think that most piercers, it it usually takes us around that five to seven year mark in the industry if, to decide if we're going to continue on with this as a career or try to make a career out of it. Or that's when you decide, you know what, it's just not for me. I, you know, I, I just don't want to get into understanding too much of what's really the, the truth and the science behind it. Right. Um, you know, and I definitely, I think once you hit that five to seven year mark and you decide it's going to be your career, it's kind of when you really, really define yourself as a piercer and you kind of you, you realize that, you know, I do know a little bit of stuff, you know, and your confidence is definitely a little bit more boosted and you feel way more confident about your abilities and your skills around that point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, you know, I never really kind of like looked at it that way, but now I, I kind of, I feel that same way, you know, like I, I think it was probably five to seven years before I really started to have that light bulb moment where I was like, oh, okay, this is that, that missing X factor for me, you know, and some of it was jewelry, but a lot of it was technique, you know, because it was my my whole generation of, of piercing to that point was, you know, put a clamp on it, shove a needle through, shove some jewelry through. And if it heals, it heals. Great. You know, um, there wasn't really a lot of like understanding as to, you know, what what is the forcep doing to the skin? Is it is it causing tissue trauma? You know, am I using the needle correctly? Am I using the correct kind of needle? Am I using the right the right kind of jewelry for success? You know, and my aftercare and all yeah. those different factors, you know, it takes it takes years to, to figure that stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, especially nowadays, I mean, cause when you really consider the piercing industry at large, you know, uh, the, 
I would say, and I, I, I hate to use the word good because it's subjective, but the, the, the number of piercers out there that are using good quality jewelry, right. uh, you know, using quality materials, that kind of stuff, it's really, really small, you know, in comparison to the actual number of piercers that are out there. Uh, and most of those piercers that are out there uh, got their got their apprenticeships the same way we probably did, you know, and they're still doing this, you know, here we are in 2018 and they're still going through these like nineties apprenticeships with all this knowledge out there that's available for free and at the touch of your fingertips, you know, it's crazy to me. Yeah. So I think one of the trends that I've been noticing is that, uh, again, to use the subjective word, like good, like, you know, good or like really well experienced, reputable piercers, uh, not many of them are willing to take on apprentices. And if they do, it's got to be this kind of special circumstance, I think. It's not really just some some kid walks in and says, like, hey, I want to get into this, you know, and I'll, I'll clean your, your bathroom for free. It's one of those things where uh, a, a, a high-level piercer can be so picky, you know? Like, they can put out the word saying, hey, I, I'd be interested in uh, getting some applicants for piercings. And they might get applications from across the country, international, people willing to move for apprenticeships. And uh, I, I think the people who get those like walk-in kind of apprenticeships, those are probably going to be at, at studios that maybe aren't super forward-thinking, super educated, uh, haven't really invested a lot of money into their, their jewelry or their logistics or their sterilization. So I think that's still how a lot of piercers get their foot in the door. They start at just the first shop that says yes. And then you know they get that couple of years yeah. in and they start to realize, oh, okay, maybe I need to really – get a wider scope of information. Maybe I need to, you know, get out to the APP conference or go in shadow or something like that. And I think it's still, I think it's still happening for all the, all the blowhards like you or me that talk about like, you know, high quality, high quality. That's the way to go. You know, we are definitely the minority as far as people offering body piercings in the, in the U S definitely for sure. I mean, for every Dandyland, you know, you probably know there's probably 50 shops that are just using, you know, kind of low end stuff. And oh yeah. Not, not knowing or caring about the difference yeah no you know and i can definitely and, and my city you know san antonio is the seventh biggest city in the u.s population wise and i can count the number of studios that are using acceptable materials you know on one hand right uh and that's in a city of like 1.7 1.8 million you know so even even here where I, our home base you know we're definitely the minority on it but I think I think it it's it can, it's a really really good thing in markets like that though you know and I think it's a good thing in any market you know where you have where you have that ability to set yourself apart by setting your quality standards uh, you know and learning about that kind of stuff and why it's so important you know and I definitely think that's and I think that's one of the really hard parts with taking on apprenticeships these days or you know bringing on apprentices that I think we. We want someone to succeed just as much as we do and, or as, as we have uh, and to continue that path of success. And I think a lot of us really, really, it, it's hard for us to accept the fact that at some point or another, there's going to be somebody filling your shoes and they're going to be better than you. That's Although that's what we want out of all of our apprentices, I think there's a little bit of ego that, that goes along with, with you know, being a being a good, a good piercer in that subjective manner again, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I... I've had a couple of apprentices and I have, I've learned to be a better teacher through apprenticing people. And my most recent apprentice, Evan Quino, uh, he just got his full, uh, piercing license, you know, maybe, uh, kind of earlier on in 2017. And now just like seeing what he does on a, a regular basis is so beyond what I was doing at his, his level, you know? So I, I couldn't imagine myself doing, 
you know, surface piercings and really cool ear projects and, and all this, this stuff back then, you know, yeah. I, I was doing that stuff, but I was doing like the, you know, the nineties version of it. I wasn't doing like this refined, uh, just really cool, like clean eye sort of look. And, um, to see yeah. Evan doing that, I wonder like, well, you know, where's he going to be at when he hits 10 years of experience? You know, it's, it's, it's probably going to surpass whatever I've been doing. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, touching on, you know, him doing all these elaborate things, you know, when when we first got when we got started, you know, surface piercings weren't really quite a thing yet. They were still trying to understand them. And, yeah. you know, you had your all kinds of your different methods, you know, with like your Tigon and PTFE and bending barbells, you know, and then finally someone had that light bulb that clicked and said, wow, let's just make surface barbells, you know, and. I, it's just amazing that you know what we what we didn't have right at the get go in our careers. Piercers nowadays, you know, if you're starting an apprenticeship with somebody that knows what they're doing, uh, you get to use stuff that was way beyond what we what was at the time. You know, with what we were doing, it's crazy. It's oh, it's yeah, pretty sure. it's pretty awesome. You know, and you know being able to being able to have access to the jewelry they have nowadays. You know, back then if you wanted something, you were getting hematite or steel. You know, and that yeah. was pretty much it for them. Yeah, I, I tried to I tried to mention that to Evan. I was like, man, you know what it would have been like for me if I could have learned with like Anatometal and Neometal and Body Vision and like, you know, all these high-end companies, you know, Katana needles and, and all that stuff, you know? And uh, yeah, so I mean, I I don't want to necessarily say spoiled because I'm, I'm sure five or ten years from now, uh, there'll be some other crazy improvements where, you know, Anatometal will have some like, you know, 3D printed diamond dust body jewelry and we'll be like oh you used to use titanium but i mean like it's it's just super cool yeah. that uh you know you get to see it generationally you know all the struggles that you or i had to make uh you know people don't have to make those struggles now you know the information like you said it's out there and it's 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 free you know and anybody can go yeah. to like the app conference and listen to like a luis garcia like spill all of his secrets about how he does this and how he does that like you don't have to struggle for those five to seven years like you can start with that good information and, and who knows where people are going to be able to go with it yeah you know i mean i think one of you know I, i've i've always you know i've i've been a fan of the app for years you know i've been a member you know and after sitting on the board you know i realized i realized that it's a tough job you know being a board member it's not the easiest thing in the world but there's been some great things that have happened within the organization you know just over over the past couple, you know, the past years, you know, because I remember when I first got on the sentiment, you know, towards the APP was, oh, it's just a bunch of politics, a bunch of people who want to wank each other off because they use really expensive jewelry, you know, and that, that kind of turned you off towards the APP, you know, and then you become a member and you start realizing, wow, this organization does do a lot, uh, you know, and a simple way for someone to get into the industry nowadays, just go to the APP website, you know, and look at their apprenticeship guidelines. It's, it's an amazing, it's an, they, they did an amazing job putting that out there, that kind of information, you know, now it gives people a standard and a basis to just do their apprenticeships by, you know, and not everybody's going to go by it, of course, you know, because I think there's always going to be a place for people that are offering cheap piercings. Uh, but the more we can narrow that curve between the bad and the good, the better it is all around for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so with, with your time on the board, what would you say were probably some of the, the bigger advancements because like I with with my limited experience on the board it seems like it's it's such a well-oiled machine at this point but I you know from the outside looking in uh, I, I would imagine that the board wasn't always like that so what was it like you know when you started on the board and you know what it was like when you finished your term 
I, you know, it definitely, I, I start when I started, you know, it was one of those things where I knew what I was getting myself into, but I didn't quite realize the scope of what it actually is. Uh, you know, with the board that I got on, I, we were very, very fortunate because before that, there were a couple of prior boards that, that kind of set a foundation for us to really go off, go on what we wanted to do and what we wanted to accomplish. Uh, you know, there's definitely been moments in the past where you hear about a lot of the, the different frictions between, you know, boards and uh, that kind of stuff. But I think with the board that I sat on, I was very, very fortunate. Like it was it was a group of like minded individuals who were progressive and forward thinking. Uh, and although, you know, a lot of the changes might not have been anything major, it definitely helped with where we're at now with the board that you're sitting on and some of the changes that went on. Uh, you know, and I think one of the biggest things that we did, you know, was, your, you know, the membership committee did was when they this when we uh, had everybody reapply for membership, basically, and submit new video, new videos, uh, you know, to have that kind of protocol in place now is just amazing because that was one of the biggest complaints for years on end from members was, you know, you fill out your video at the very beginning of the year, you know, and say you're a 20 year member and you haven't updated your video in 20 years. Uh, you don't go to conference, you don't keep up with anything, but you're still a member. Like, you know, what's changed in your studio that no longer meets the requirements we have now to be a member? Right. Uh, you know, so I think that was really, really great. I think it was really big. And I think it definitely caused a lot of people, you know, including myself, you know, with the way we ran our studios to kind of reevaluate and start thinking about the next steps towards achieving, you know, what we want to achieve and have in mind for everything. Uh, so that, that was definitely one of the really big things. Uh, you know, they began the, we began the process of the new website, you know, the member link portal, you know, uh, you know, stuff like that, you know, it's definitely, it, it's always, it's always been a necessity, but to finally have it and in use, I think where a lot of us are starting to see the advantages of having a really amazing looking website, uh, A, you know, but B, also being able to have like a, a member portal, you know, a member exclusive portal where you have all your information and everything you need on there, uh, which, you know, that the use of that's going to expand and grow over the years. You know, there's going to be so much more that can be done through that. Uh, you know, so I think, I think a lot of it, although it wasn't like major changes, they were changes that were big enough to help the organization in the future. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that the, the website was, was such a monumental task to get done. You know, Jeff and Brian and everybody who was involved just really had to like claw and scratch to get that thing done. But I think it was totally worth it. And, um, you know, some of the little features where they were talking about it and I was like, Oh, well, you know, yeah, that'd be nice, but it's not a, not, not a big deal. Uh, it made it so much easier for the compliance to just be like, click, I'm going to upload my BBP form. I'm going to click and upload my CPR, my first aid, and now it's done. And I don't have to deal with those like thousands of emails back and forth with the administrator and, and doing all this different stuff, you know, and uh, it just looks so much cleaner. And it's not like uh, this Frankenstein website because the last one, it was like, you know, we have a website and then over the course of years, we know we add this and we add this and we add this. And then it's just this this mess of like you can't really find anything on there and now to have like a nice clean website that's got all this efficiency that's great and the apprenticeship guidelines you know that's that's awesome i i'm on uh i'm on an advisory panel in new hampshire and i just when that came up came up in conversation like oh you know what would you like to do to improve uh, apprenticeship guidelines in new hampshire and i just i printed it out and i was like here you go just read this like just do that and uh, i yeah. I, th I think it'll make um you know, maybe not right now a huge impact, but I think five years from now, when the generation of piercers who got their apprenticeships with those kind of APP-inspired guidelines, I, I think the industry is going to be a lot stronger for it. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and it's actually really funny, you know, because I'm part of, a, you know, we're all part of different forums on Facebook and I'm in this one forum and the one of one of the tattoo artists actually brought up, you know, like, why don't we have an organization like the APP, you know, for for tattooing, you know, and of course, you know, the conversation goes on, you know, tattooers hate piercers, you know, most of the time, uh, you know, it, it's one of those things that's always stuck around. It'll always be. Uh, and I think I noticed at that time there was a, there's a really big disparity between like the old school tattoo artists and the new school tattoo artists, you know, and I think that's part of that progressive kind of forward thinking mentality that you have to have in this industry these mm-hmm. days to survive, you know, as someone providing a quality service, uh, you know, you can get $20 piercings in almost any town They even go cheaper sometimes, you know, Yeah. but it's a matter of being able to get those people through your doors who who are willing to pay the money for the quality, you know, and I think that's where that's where the APP has done a really amazing job over the past couple of years is marketing and branding, you know, the the association as as a go to source for, you know, for body piercing information. Uh, so it's, it's definitely, you know, it's it's that whole forward thinking progressive mentality, you know, and it was really, really entertaining to see the way some of these tattoo artists were talking about, you know, we don't need that kind of stuff, you know leave it to the piercers who wear their face masks, you know, to do that kind of stuff. Uh, but it was just really, really, it was one of those things where it just kind of clicked. And it's like, man, I was like, there's always going to be a place for any kind of person to succeed in this industry. It's just a matter of finding your niche uh, and making sure that you stick to it, you know, as far as the way you plan your business. Of course, it can change over the years. You know, you have to reevaluate everything. Uh, and I think that's what the APP has kind of done with the with the newer boards over the past couple of years. It kind of it kind of changed the way of thinking in a sense with the organization's mentality. Uh, and it's definitely a lot more. A lot of the plans are being set in motion or or for the future. Uh, and that I think that's really really important because you know as as more and more people are out there looking for people that are providing quality services with quality materials, the more and more they're going to seek out licenses you know and that kind of stuff not only like your state licenses but they're going to look for someone who has affiliation with an organization like the app and the more that gets out there you know it's definitely going to create a need for more people out there that are going to be providing those quality services so that means that a lot of people that are reluctant to training people will have to start training people in order to keep up with it right um, we're yeah you know we're fortunate enough to where you know we've We've been able to have some really, really great talent in our studio by just recruiting from out of state. Uh, but at some point, you know, it's one of those things where we might have to consider, do we want to train somebody? That way they can work our system the way we like it uh, and get them knowledgeable from the get-go. And I think that's one of those crossroads that we're about to come up with in the next five to ten years. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely – so going back to that whole uh, thing about how some people used to dump on the APP and say like, well, it's just – it's the cool kids club. Um, I I can kind of see that as, as valid criticism because uh, I feel like – you know, the market has definitely grown for clients wanting high quality. And, you know, five or ten years ago when that market hadn't really started to really push and explode because of, of social media, uh, you know, there was a, a limited pool of clients that um, wanted that, – that would, like, seek out the, the high-end services. So I think some of, the, some of the studios that were involved with, like, the APP brand at the time – we're almost kind of like trying to be a little bit self-serving. Like I want to make sure that my market is there, that I'm still going to get clients walking through my door. And then I think the really big uh, tipping point was when the APP started to really push for that rebranding of like, you know, seek out the APP on social media, you know, use our member locator, do this, do that. And then that, that 
uh, clientele market really started to boom, now I think a lot more people see like, okay, I, I want to be involved in the APP and the people who were already involved in the APP say, I just want it to grow and expand and get bigger and bring in more and more people because the more piercers out there offering high quality work, the more clients there are that are going to want it. And then it just, it, it, it you know, uh, rising tide raises all ships kind of thing. Like everybody does better when yeah. everybody's putting in the work to, to promote those services instead of trying to make it a closed off like me, me, me versus you, you, you. Uh, now it's just kind of like, you know, it's us and we're trying to like build this this market together and it's it's great. You know, it's it's this power of like mass marketing. Yeah, no, you know, it's definitely, it's been... It's been really funny just kind of sitting back, you know, over the years and watching my Facebook feed and seeing and seeing the naysayers like the anti APP people who are now members. Uh, it kind of tickles me a bit, you know, because I think at some point they probably hopefully they grew up and realized that the organization isn't what they had in their mind, you know. Uh, yeah. And 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 we definitely I, I think I think with with us, you know, I think we probably became members somewhere around the same time, somewhere somewhere close. But I've definitely noticed just a change in the mentality and perception towards APP from piercers, you know, over the past five to 10 years has dramatically changed, uh, you know, where you no longer have, you know, you, you'll always have your people that are going to be vocal and they're going to be opponents of the organization no matter what. But you're definitely seeing a lot more cheerleaders and people that are out there, you know, hoping to someday become members or people that are, are you know, that have their applications in process right now. You're seeing a, a greater deal of that. And I think that's a really, really great indication, you know, as, as those numbers continue to rise. You know, we've had our biggest conferences ever the past couple of years, uh, as attendance wise. So it's definitely it's the more there's more and more people out there that are seeking that information. And yeah, I think that's yeah. that's something that the, that the APP has done a really great job. You know, you've worked with the social media team for years on end. You know, you guys really, really busted your tails and did a really great job with everything that was done on that. Uh, you know, and I think a lot of that was definitely. It was really, really important. You know, it came right at a very crucial time, you know, when we had all this really amazing jewelry out there. And lo and behold, there's this way to get people to look at this amazing jewelry, you know, at the touch of their fingertips, you know. And I think that was really the, the pivotal time, you know, when things really, really clicked and we started seeing more and more people paying attention to that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think yeah, one of the big things. Yeah, no, as I say, I think, you know, one of the big things I've, I've noticed, you know, and you might use your studio might be the same as well, but, you know, we're doing a lot more earlobes on, on minors and children, and we're getting a lot more parents that are calling, you know, because they want their, their kids' love lobes done at a studio, but a lot of them, you know, are saying, you know, we found you through the APP website, you know, you guys are certified, although, you know, we're not certified, you know, that's the public's perception of it, yeah. we're all members of it. Uh, but I think it's really, really cool that people are doing that kind of research these days. Uh, you know, and that was one of the things I was trying to tell one of these tattoo artists on this forum earlier. It's like, he's like, you know, nobody really pays attention to the APP. It's only like 3% of piercers in the general public that give a shit about it. You know, I'm like, but you know what? If it's only 3%, that's the 3% I want coming through my door because exactly. they've taken their time to do their research. They want quality and they're going to spend money to get it. Uh, and I think that's always, that's really, really important. And I think that's where we're starting to see a lot of the shift in the mentalities where a lot of the younger people getting into the industry, you know, they, when they got pierced, they probably sought out that information and went to a quality studio, uh, and they understand the importance. And so I, I think we're going to start seeing a lot more of that over the years. Yeah. You know, so a couple of the, the big points for me with, with my studio is, um, you know, when I started really putting a lot of effort into my jewelry selection and, and the quality and, and expanding and having a lot more options, 
I would really have to to push and struggle with it. You know, I'd have to have these 10 and 15 minute long kind of not really a sales pitch, but I'd have to explain the the jewelry to people for them to understand why they wanted it. So, you know, I could say, sure, I can pierce you with the same old plain barbell that every other shop offers, you know, and if you want just a plain silver ball on your piercing, yes, I can do that. But take a look at what I have available here. You know, I've got this company, I've got that company, I've got, you know, at, at, at the first, it was, you know, I've got a handful of options. Then it was, you know, I've got maybe a dozen or two options. And now it's hundreds of options, you know, like, tell me what you want, tell me what your style is. And I've got that, you know, and for a while, it was it was such a struggle to, to really close people on, you know, doing something a little bit atypical or fancier or something a little bit prettier or more sparkly or colorful. And now, People walk through the door and they're like, where's your body vision section? Or, you know, how much anatometal do you carry? And, you know, I, I only want to wear 18 karat. And I, I only want to wear uh, titanium and this and that. And I'm just like, oh, well, come on over here and let me show you what I have. And it's it's just this huge difference from where I was, you know, 10, 10 years ago. It's like a, a completely different industry, a completely different client base. I, I don't think I ever really could have imagined that I'd be doing what I'm doing in, uh, in Nashville. Like, if your city is over a million people. My city is about a hundred thousand. And I never thought I would have been incapable of, of offering similar jewelry to, to what somebody like you was offering, you know, and now to have people coming through the door, seeking it out, it's just, it's, it, it makes me feel so validated for all the hard work that I put in over all those years. You know, it's, it's kind of like that cliche of like, if you build it, they will come sort of thing, you know, and absolutely. Yeah. And with Dandy, yeah. and you just, you just did a, a massive expansion there. So uh, how's that, how's that paying off for you? I'd imagine pretty well. It's, you know, it's been amazing. You know, it's definitely, you know, we were in our original location for 21 years. Uh, so moving after 21 years is a, a kind of a scary thought after you've established yourself there. Uh, and, you know, we've gone in and we kind of just hit the floor running and it's kind of, it, it's really, really hard to gauge, you know, because most people will tell you, you know, when you move, expect to lose, like, lose like X percentage, X amount percentage of customers, you know, that you had. Uh, but we've maintained pretty well, which means that our customers are still coming to us. They're finding us through our social media pushes or we've gained new customers, but we haven't really noticed much of a, a difference in, in the m amount of number of people coming through the doors. It's really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think a lot of it goes back, you know, what you, you, you're feeling validated about what we've, you know, what you've accomplished. And I think it's kind of the same thing that we were able to do over here. And it's probably, it's the same thing you were able to do there, you know, and you build it, they will come, you know, you, you create that market, you know, if, if it doesn't exist, you know, you create it, uh, put it out there, you know, and I, and I think that's part of where a sense of validation comes in for us as well is that, you know, We've, we've built it, and now we're seeing some of these younger piercers that are jumping on board that are younger in the industry, and they're willing to do that as well. Uh, you know, so it's not only, you know, it's not only for the studio, but it's also for the industry. Uh, you know, the, the expansion overall for us, it was a big change. You know, we've definitely, the studio we were able to put together, you know, we're extremely proud of it. You know, we had to work with the city, you know, and neighborhood associations and all that kind of stuff to get through. And the overall reception has been amazing. I think everybody that walks through the doors is just kind of, they're left in awe with what we've been able to create, uh, you know, and it's basically just kind of building off of, building off that continuing, you know, progression, you know, it's like, we, we have the name, we have the reputation, you know, we have everything we need. Now we just need the establishment to really reflect that and represent it. Yeah. And that's what getting and that's what getting into a new studio really did for us. You know, we were able to really, really work on our brand, 
on the studio brand and what we wanted customers to feel when they heard the name Dandyland. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good mentality, uh, a good way to, to put it, because my, my last studio, um, I've mentioned it once or twice on the show before, but it was very... You know, it, it was reflective of the personalities of the people who worked there, you know, and it was just all dudes. You know, it was me and a bunch of tattooers, and it was a very masculine environment. And, like, you know, we had our strong clientele. Uh, I had built up the piercing side through a lot of hard work, you know, where I was getting people coming through the door. But I don't really feel like the studio environment was reflective of the quality of, of services and jewelry that we were offering towards the end. So... When I, when I got the opportunity to, to move and expand, um, I really wanted to kind of build it from the ground up and be like, all right, now I have this idea of what uh, my shop, PBA, is, and, you know, and, and how do I want to express that to someone who has never been in the door before and, and doesn't know who we are? Like, I want to basically make it as easy as possible for them to make that connection in their mind of like, oh, okay, that's what these people are about. You know, I didn't want to make it, you come in and... There's like, you know, black metal playing and like dark paint on the walls and there's there's stickers and posters everywhere and then have to change people's minds and be like, OK, you know, we're offering like a really calm service and quality jewelry and we'll, you know, we'll uh, we're a place that you can bring your kids and, and feel confident that we're going to protect them and, and pierce them correctly. And now with my new studio. Uh, you know, I, I made it more salon kind of feeling lighter colors and all that stuff like the the. Uh, paint on my walls is called mermaid net and I just love that and it kind of sets the tone so when people walk through the door they don't have to be like convinced that uh, you know you're the right place for them like they look at it they just feel confident and then they can just move right into that mode of like all right now what do I want to what do I want to do with these people like you know what do I want to get for jewelry what you know what do I want to what do I want to let them do for me? And um, yeah, it's it's just it's such a it's such a right move, you know. Like for Dandyland, for for you guys, I'm I'm sure it was the same thing where you just like you knew it was the right move, and and you probably feel pretty pretty proud of yourself for making that jump. Yeah, you know, it was definitely it, it was something we had we had had planned for a few years already. You know, it was just a matter of finding the right property at the right time and the right location. Uh, you, you know, and we definitely we were able to get into an area of town that hasn't quite developed yet, but is right on the verge of it. Nice. Uh, you know, so it was really, really important for us to get in early before that happened, because that meant that we were still able to afford the property. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, but it definitely we were able to do a lot, you know, with not only the inside of the studio, but the outside of the studio as well. You know, the part of town that we're in is called the Deco District. Uh, and it's known, the area is known for having probably the highest concentration of artists in the city and the, and the entire area, in this little area. Uh, you know, so it, it's this cultural arts kind of hub. And to be to be right in the center of this place that hasn't really quite developed yet, you know, we wanted to come in and really, really wow people. You know, we had some amazing murals put up by some of our friends who are graffiti artists, you know. And we were having people that are coming across the city, you know, just to come check out the murals and take photos with the murals, you know, which in turn will lead them, you know, into our doors at some point or another because they'll remember, wait, this place looked really bad outside. What does it look like on the inside? Yeah. Um, you know, they get in, they start asking questions, they start looking around, you know, we wanted to really, you know, with the inside, we really, really wanted to stick with that Art Deco kind of vibe of the area, you know, and we have a really awesome tin tin ceiling and people just walk in and then you see their jaws just kind of drop and they're just like, wow, this place is gorgeous, you know, and it really, really makes us have this really overwhelming sense of pride with what we've been able to do, A, you know, for for ourselves, but it's also, it's a really, really big part of being part of a community. Uh, you know, and we're definitely trying to push to be more involved with our local community uh, on a lot of different aspects, you know, but 
And it, it really, really helped the overall morale and morale of the studio. You know, we have, you know, six tattoo artists, you know, we've got two piercers, a third one on the way. Uh, and you know, it's this really, your cousin, your customers walk in, you know, who haven't been in yet. And I'm like, wow, this place is really nice, you know, and it makes you feel just really awesome and warm inside because, you know, it's like, wow, we did this. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of my favorite things because, <clears throat> you know, in my area in New Hampshire, tattoo shops, you know, they, they still, people still call them tattoo parlors. You know, they, they expect you to be like sitting on a, a couch, smoking a cigarette in the lobby, like waiting for them to come in, you know, and just to have those people walk through the door for the first time and to get that wow of like, I've, I've never been in a, a, you know, a tattoo slash piercing shop that, that looks like this, you know, like this is not at all what I expected. And that puts a big smile on my face because it just makes me, it makes me realize that like, you know, okay, I did it right. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm different from those other studios, you know, because if, if you make yourself just like every other shop in the area, you know, what, what, what reason do you give clients to, to come to you versus someone else? You know, if you're one of those studios that's thinking the mentality of the same thing that I used to think, this is how I compete with other shops. You know, I'm either going to be cheaper than them or, you know, maybe I'll, I'll do something a little bit different. I'll have like gimmicks and I'll have specials and sales or, you know, we'll be like the shop that always plays you know, uh, hip hop or, or more metal or, or we're the skater shop or we're the biker shop or whatever. But you know, what kind of, what kind of business are you really going to do? You know, what kind of clients are going to be walking through the door and, and what opportunities are you giving yourself with that? You know, so if yeah. you can make yourself completely different, you know, if you're, if you're the art shop, you know, you're the art shop, you know, you're not just like, you know, a, another, another tattoo parlor. Yeah, you know, and I think I think it goes back to the thing I've been iterating over and over again. It's just that progressive, more forward kind of thinking mentality, you know. Uh, as you've noticed over the years, you know, the 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 dollar amount average of tickets is going up for us, you know, and that's because we're carrying all these really amazing pieces of jewelry. Uh, and I think part of it, you know, we have to also understand that what we do is retail and setting up kind of that retail boutique kind of environment to really, really show off what you do carry. I think it's really, really important to be able to do that. You know, I think it's all about how, how the public's eye perceives what you, what you've been able to do. And it goes back to what you said, you know, you can, you can be the biker shop or you can be like the skater shop, you know, but how many places are actually going to be that shop known as that amazing studio that's really gorgeous, you know, that right. carries all the really great jewelry. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I think that's where we're starting to see a, see a lot of the younger piercers, you know, or the studios that are opening up, you know, you, as you see it all over social media, if you're just scrolling through and you're looking at tattoo shops, you're seeing a lot of just really gorgeous studios opening up all across the U S uh, you know, and I think a lot of that is very, it's part of that mentality of, you know, I need to, I need to build it so they will come, but I, you know, if I want them to come in and drop a couple hundred dollars on some really awesome jewelry, it needs to look really awesome, you know, because you're, you're not going to walk, you're not going to walk into, you know, and I always use a car dealership analogy. You're not going to walk into a used car lot and get the same experience you're going to get there as somewhere where you would buy like a Jaguar or something like right, that, Yeah. you know, and I, and I think that's, that's where it comes to really, you know, setting yourself apart, you know, not only offering like a really, really great service, you know, great quality, but also having the environment that really reflects that uh, not only having the environment, but having the professionalism to actually be able to reflect that as well. Yeah. And uh, you know, it can even, even it can even come down to music, you know, because I, I certainly have my personal leanings, like the music I listen to at home, isn't necessarily the, the music I listen to at work. And uh, I, I just noticed a huge difference when you put on something that people can kind of like, you know, nod their head to wiggle their hips to dance a little bit to, and it, it puts a smile on their face rather than kind of like, 
oh, I'm super extreme. I'm getting ready to get a piercing. You know, it's just this calm, yeah. relaxing environment where it's like, oh, no, you feel like you're in a place where you're going to get your nails done or something like that, you know, and you just feel happy and comfortable and calm. And, you know, a, a lot of times uh, it also translates into dollar signs. You know, the, the average ticket that I was doing five years ago uh, compared to now is same thing. I, I never would have been able to imagine it. You know, I've, I've broken my all-time records uh in the the last month i i broke a i broke my all-time record you know and i'm doing yeah. awesome and it's making me really happy that that we're we have that kind of reputation you know through hard work people know that if they they come to my shop they're going to get a good quality piercing with good quality jewelry and they're going to feel comfortable while they're there they're going to get a smile from the people that are you know behind the front desk and you know putting on the gloves you know and they're, they're just going to feel comfortable you know i i uh, i really i really like yeah. this new generation of shops and i'm, I'm really excited to see where it kind of goes from here yes yeah, so, yeah one, one of the bigger trends that we're seeing you know is that we're seeing like tattoo only studios and we're seeing piercing only studios where you're having that delineation mm-hmm. uh you know you aren't you know it's i think it's really really rare nowadays where you walk into a studio that does both and they do both extremely well yeah uh you know but you're starting to see it where the business, where the industries are finally, they're splitting again because the piercing side can maintain itself by itself nowadays. Uh, and it, it's giving a lot more freedom to really, really create these amazing environments. You know, I think about, you know, what Leo's done with his mint, with mint up in Iowa, you know, the branding and from the layout and everything. It's just, it's absolutely beautiful. And I think it's part of that, just that very, very progressive straight forward thinking about everything. Mm-hmm. You know, they offer very high end service and their studio absolutely reflects that they offer a high end service. Yeah. Another thing about, uh, more like specialty studios, you know, piercing only and tattoo only <laughs> is, um, in my area anyway, I think that tattooers are starting to respect body piercing a little bit more. And a lot of them are making that conscious decision of, well, you know, we don't necessarily want to, or maybe we're not, you know, really looking to compete with what we see as a good quality piercing, you know? And so they, they might not want to recruit some top level piercer and, and put $50,000 into that side of it. So rather than saying, we'll just offer, you know, $15, $20 piercings, we're just not going to pierce because we actually respect it as its own art form. Uh, the same way that a lot of body piercers look at tattooing uh, and they say like, okay, you guys are offering an amazing service. I'm not going to just tack on somebody doing like 40 and $50 flash tattoos to my piercing business. You know, a lot of tattooers yeah. are looking at it the same way. Like, you know, they're, they're respecting it and they're saying, you know, you do you, we'll do us. Uh, you know, we wish you the best of luck. We're not going to try to step on each other's toes. And I think those studios where they do both really well, they, they are definitely a rarity. They're still out there somewhere, but I feel like yeah. uh, fewer of those studios open up these days. I feel like more studios that are opening now are, are going with, with one specialty. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, I, I hear from a lot of my, my tattoo artist friends, you know, that don't that don't offer piercings, you know, and they send us, you know, the, all the referrals for piercings. I hear them on, you know, regularly, you know, when the they talk about, you know, sending a customers our way. They're like, yeah, you know, we just we just can't find any piercers that are worthwhile to really keep around, you know, and we just don't want to offer a cheap service anymore. You know, if we're going to be charging, you know, these people, these amounts for these tattoo rates, we want our piercing service to reflect it. And I've had people straight up say, I'm not going to afford to be able to do that and I re- and I won't do it. So I'm just not going to offer piercing altogether, yeah. uh, you know, and it's really, really amazing to see that 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 kind of respect, you know. And I, it's definitely it's part of that that old school mentality, you know. And we're starting to see a break of it as as the generations as it gets as they get older and older and they start retiring, stepping away from it. 
that's where you're starting to see a lot more of the very, very progressive forward thinking with the layouts, you know, with the music selection, everything else, you know, and I think it, it's definitely it, it's ta- it's taken a while for it to happen to our industry. But when you really, really think about it, you know, how long has our industry really been around in a modern sense, you know, since Gauntlet in the, in the 70s? Yeah. You know, so it. it it's it's happened really fast compared to a lot of other in, uh, under other industries that have been around way longer than that. Uh, but that change is definitely coming. You know, you're starting to see more and more people. Like I said they're definitely way more wary of what it is they want, what they want to put in their body. Uh, you know, the jewelry manufacturers have done a really, really great job at branding and marketing themselves and their jewelry where you have customers asking, ask, coming in and asking for this jewelry by name, you know, yeah. uh, that's awesome. That means that they've done a really great job on their end, and we've done a really great job on our end, educating our clients on why anatomy metal is the best, why body vision is the best, why you know X and X company is the best. You know, it's very, very. It, it's been really, really awesome seeing the way that the change, the changes happened over the years. You know, it's it's been really, really amazing to watch that. I think it uh, it kind of reflects where society is. You know, a decade to decade. So. Uh, in the 70s, uh, you know, body piercing was <clears throat> really kind of coming out of the, the kink culture, you know, in the 80s, it was still kind of like a little bit tied to like biker culture, things like that, you know, with, with the tattooing connection. In the 90s, you totally saw piercing, piercing style reflect the, the overall, like the alternative style of the 90s. And I think now we're kind of in like the pumpkin spice generation of body piercing, you know, like uh, <laughs> just in the way that people are being really cautious about like, you know, they want to eat organic and, you know, they want to buy fair trade, you know, they want to have really nicely made jewelry. They want to know where it was made, who it was made by, what kind of stones they are and all this stuff. And I, I think it's kind of cool, you know, so I, hopefully we kind of start to see that uh, we, we continue to see that upward trend. And it, it, I, I, you know, I don't think it's about to plateau, um, because there's, there's so many people doing so much work to, to kind of keep it in the, keep it in the, the mindset of people as like, you know, body piercing is a cool fashion, but, um, yeah, you can, you can totally see the reflection of it with, uh, with modern society and like, you know, youth and what they're into. And, you know, thankfully body piercing can kind of tie into that. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and I think it's also the, the, just the overall attitude of society, you know, Back, you know, it used to be a joke that back then you could walk into a tattoo shop, you know, and that's where you would go to get your tattoos. You would get your hookers, your guns, and your drugs, you know, <laughs> and and it, it's no longer that that place anymore, you Sadly. know. It, it, yeah, exactly. Uh, it's it's the place where you can bring your children in to come get their earlobes pierced. You know, yeah, you're not going yeah. to the you're not you're not going to a kiosk out in the middle of nowhere. You can go to someone who's knowledgeable about it. Uh, you know, and it's definitely, you're getting a lot more of that, you know, and it, I think it definitely goes back to just the overall shift in the attitude where people are understanding a little bit more and society is becoming more acceptable of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, th- think about how many business professionals you get that come in on a regular basis and you're able to sell them 1.5 millimeter diamonds because they can wear it at work, you know, right. uh, it happens a lot, you know, so we're definitely seeing a lot more of it, you know, and I think a lot of it, it's definitely been really, really interesting seeing the the way the clientele has shifted over the years, uh, you know, I would probably say, and I would think the same goes for a lot more of the, I would say the higher end studios that offer higher end products. Uh, but you're starting to see more and more of, uh, people paying attention to these, which is just really, really awesome. (laughs) It's, it's been really the, the progression of it all, you know, it's definitely, 
it, it's been really, really interesting to watch. I don't think it's going to plateau at any time soon. You know, the younger generation, the one thing that they can do better than any of us is they understand social media yeah. and they use it to their full advantage, you know? And I think that's great because they're constantly promoting all this really, really great work with good pieces of jewelry in it that look awesome. And those hit the rounds. And I, it happens on a regular basis where you have a customer that walks in and they say, I want this piercing. And lo and behold, you recognize the watermark or the name, you know, that because it's already circulated through Pinterest or Facebook or Instagram or whatever. Uh, you know, and it's definitely I, I think it's it's really, really awesome uh, seeing the way the way it's progressed. I would definitely like to see where it goes even more uh, as as I think as as our generation of of studios, you know, the generation that we came in, as it starts to change, as we start to die off a little bit more. It's going to be really, really awesome seeing where this industry is in about 10 to 15 years. Yeah, that's that's another question I had for you. So, um, you know, we have kind of similar career arcs over the last couple of years especially you know and you and I are both kind of in that senior piercer position in our studios where you know we don't have to be there day in day out we're not doing the bulk of the piercings anymore you know we're more appointment based or maybe we're on like you know one or two days we still definitely have our clientele but we don't have to we're not putting needles through people all day every day anymore we're not at that point of our career anymore where do you see yourself going um, you know if, if again we're back to that like five to seven year kind of plan like where do you see yourself going? You know, do you think it's going to be just like a, you know, specialty appointment only kind of thing? Do you see yourself kind of stepping back to more of a managerial role or a training role or like, what do you, what do you think you're going to be doing over the next couple of years? That's kind of been the, the goal and the plan with me for the past couple of years. Uh, you know, I had a really great opportunity a few years ago where Benji, uh, you know, the studio has been in his family for years on end. Uh, and Benji gave me an opportunity to become a partner. Uh, and, you know, when I became a partner, part of the goal was that over over the, the next couple of years, you know, we would find a place to move. Uh, we would hire on more piercers and I would work less, you know, uh, working more on customers just by appointment and focusing more on the, the marketing and the branding of the studio more than anything else and doing that managerial road uh, role. Uh, which will open up more time, you know, to be able to, to promote the business to where we can be able to not have to really be there, but still be able to live comfortably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's, I don't that, know that's definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I have no idea, you know, it's definitely, I, I've always been one of those kind of fly by the seat of your pants kind of people, you know, I don't yeah. like to think too far ahead in life, you know, I want to live in the now kind of moment. Uh, and I, And I think it's really, it, it's kind of neglectful at times because, you know, a lot of us, we're, we're piercers. We don't have 401ks or anything like that. You know, we don't have much of a retirement plan to set on. Uh, and I think it's probably, it's coming up to that point for a lot of us to be able to do, be able to have that time to be able to step away and take on other endeavors. Uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of different cliffs clicky kind of niche markets that are still available in the industry you know you're seeing people that are starting to do things outside of piercing but still piercing related you know i think of like what Derek games do what's what he started doing with his displays you know uh you know i think there's markets like that that are still available and open for people uh i always get people asked you know when are you gonna start making jewelry and it's like i have no intentions of ever doing that yeah. <laughs> you know uh, that's definitely not for me. I leave that up to the people that are good at it. You know, it's the same reason why our tattoo artists only tattoo and our piercers only pierce because they're right, good yeah. at tattooing. They're not good at piercing and yeah. vice versa. That, that's that's the thing. Know? It's like, you know, when I, when I talk to, um, 
when I talk to certain people who have been making jewelry for a really long time, like if you talk to like Terry Leroy and you listen to his, his story and uh, you know, where he, where he started versus like where he is now, it's like, I, I am never going to be able to do something like that. You know, like the experience level that he started with and then what he did to like refine it and grow his company. Uh, like I, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm almost 40. Like I'm not gonna, there's no chance of doing that. And I don't want to do a disservice to something that I see is so important by getting into it and doing it, uh, with anything less than a hundred percent of my attention, you know? So, uh, I, you know, I don't think it would be so easy and I, I totally get what you mean. It's like, you know, I, I sell the jewelry. I'm going to leave it up to an expert to, to make the jewelry. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I want, I want no part of that. You know, like I said, I definitely, it's not for me, you know, I, I I think we've all, you know, we've all dabbled in little things here and there over the years, you know, aside from piercing, you know, you, you've done really amazing with your scarification work, you know, you got people coming to you for scarification, you know, but I, I think it's going to, you know, Tammy, my, my wife always kind of jokes with me, she's like, what are you going to do when you're old? You can't pierce for the rest of your life. You're going to be that old creepy guy with shaky hands who can't pierce straight, <laughs> you know. And and that's where a lot of us are heading. You know, we we don't have much planned for we we haven't thought about life after piercing because a lot of us really love what we do and we're passionate about it and we don't want to think about not having to wake up to that day not being able to do it. Yeah, yeah. Even though I I, I kind of step back a little bit from my day to day piercing, uh, my my entire life plan always involves piercing. You know, it's never like. Oh, I'm just going to stop piercing and I'll just, you know, I'll let, I'll let other people do it. It's always like, well, I'll still pierce, but maybe just not as frequently or maybe like in a different capacity, you know, maybe I'll just do appointments while other people handle walk-ins or something like that. But yeah, I don't, I don't ever want to stop doing it. You know, even though sometimes I get grumpy and I'm like, oh my God, I don't want to do this forever. You know, I, I kind of do want to do this forever because, you know, I'm a, I'm a body piercer. This is what I love to do. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's it, it's really funny, you know, because I often I often remember when I first started piercing, you know, I had a lot of friends, you know, that would say, "What are, what are you going to do for a career?" And it's like, you know, I, I'm I'm piercing. That's what I'm doing. They're like, "No, that's you know, that's a job." You know, what what are you going to do for a career? You know, and I think for for those of us that are in our generation who who stuck it out this long, we've been able to prove that we've been able to make careers of it. You know, yeah. and I think the, the younger generation is very very fortunate to be able to know that they're getting into the potential of having a career, you know, and I think if you, if you stick around with it, you know, it can definitely, it can have a lot of life changing impacts for you as a piercer. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know, you definitely, it's, it's not, it's not just, you know, get them in, get them out kind of things, but you're able to build some really amazing relationships and friendships with people, you know, and you're able to impact people's lives in ways that you never thought possible or capable, you know, we, we get in these moments sometimes where these customers will get to us, you know, and they, they want to bear it all. They want to tell you everything. They want to tell you why they want their piercing, you know, and some of these stories are just heart wrenching, you know, and they tear you apart, but being able to see them smile afterwards, you know, while you're hugging it out and crying with them, uh, it's a really, really rewarding feeling to be able to know that something is what some people would consider a simple piercing, how life changing and altering it can be for a lot of people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I know, you know and it, I don't, it changed my life for sure. You know, when, so I, I went to high school to, uh, I went to a tech high school to be an electrician and my, my teacher, uh, you know, he saw that, you know, every week I'd come in with like some new piece of metal that I had like shoved through my face or my ears or my whatever, you know, and, uh, you know, he pulled me aside and he's like, look, you need to take this seriously. You know, you have a chance at having a real life and a career doing this or or you can just go off and be a body piercer and waste your life. And I was like, huh, 
that's a good idea. I'll be a body <laughs> piercer. You go fudge yourself. And then, you know, now yeah. I look, it's like, you know, okay, uh, I, I, I paid for a house by being a body piercer. Yeah. You know, I traveled the world by being a body piercer. You know, and I, I, I made the right decision. Yeah, yeah, you know, it, it's definitely funny, you know, when I get into those conversations with my friends, you know, when I, I went to, I went to college, you know, and after I graduated, I, I had worked with a marketing advertising agency doing their public relations, uh, and one day, you know, it was kind of the same thing when I was in college, I just had this kind of epiphany, I was like, you know what, fuck this, I don't want to do this for the rest <laughs> of my life, you know, and I had some friends that happened to have a studio, and they taught, they taught me how to pierce, or they quote-unquote taught me how to pierce, Uh you know, and it's definitely it's given me a lot of different opportunities that I don't think I would have been able to have had had I not been piercing, you know, being able to, like you said, you know, being able to travel the world, you know, teach at these different conferences in front of people who who, who are seeking out this knowledge and information, you know, uh, being able to buy a house, being able to buy a car, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, early on in my career, you know, five years into it, you know, I was still struggling to eat ramen at times, you know, because yeah. at that time I was still a really heavy drinker and going out a lot. So most of my money was going towards booze and alcohol, you know, it wasn't going really towards eating. I paid my bills. I ate what I needed to when I was hungry. And then I just spent the rest of it just partying away. But, you know, it's definitely, I think now getting into this career, you know, you've been able to see you you can see the mistakes that those before you have laid just as we were able to do with those that came before us right you know and it, it, it's all just building blocks into the future and the history of this industry and what's going to happen to it awesome and plus you know you need the money to pay for all that dog food yeah how many how many yeah, chihuahuas no, do you have living in your house at this point uh you know, that number constantly fluctuates. Uh, Tammy's the director of the Texas Chihuahua Rescue down here. And so, I mean, on top of our dogs, we've got a few special needs dogs that are ours. Uh, and a couple of, like, seniors that, you know, they're just, they're old. They're kind of hanging out, waiting to die. Uh, and fosters, you know, that number can dramatically fluctuate. Most of the time, at any given moment, there's probably anywhere between, like, 13 to 15 dogs running around. <laughs> uh, uh, that sounds so fun. I mean, I'm sure it, it's challenging, it, but it sounds fun. It, it can definitely be challenging. It, it's fun, you know, and it's because it's, I'm always joking with Tammy because she's always yelling at the dogs, you know, and it's like, you know, don't poop there. Don't eat that. You know, don't pee there. <laughs> what are you doing? You know, and that's kind of how the house is. You know, it's really, really hectic and chaotic at times. And at times it can get definitely a little frustrating, you know, but it's just really, really awesome seeing all these little dogs run around who who were considered unadoptable, you know, so we have some special needs dogs that are missing some limbs or born without them. We have some hydrocephalic dogs that are missing, you know, you know, parts of their skulls and they've got these huge heads and, you know, it's just really, really cool being able to, to help these little dogs out, you know, and they're, you know, chihuahuas are in Texas are the second most euthanized breed. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of them, uh, you know, so we, we, we get that numbers, like I said, it's just constantly fluctuating, you know, we'll have some that are long-term fosters, you know, who, who are just kind of, you know, they're so special needs, but we want to be able to show them what love and a comfortable home is, you know, before right. it's that time to make that decision. Uh, you know, so it's really, really cool being able to, to see what Tammy's done with that organization. You know, I definitely, I've, I've been kind of dragged into it over the years, you know, and I help out here and there a little bit. Uh, but what she's been able to do with that organization is absolutely amazing and it blows my mind sometimes. So here, here's a good option. Like when people get really expensive piercings or jewelry, you know, I'll give them some like free aftercare. How about this? You know, any, uh, any piercing over $500, you get a free Chihuahua. Yeah. It's actually funny, you know, cause I, 
it's we generally, you know, we strike up those conversations with customers, you know, and a lot of times I'll end up talking about Tammy and what she's done, you know, because we bring up dogs. I, you know, dogs, dogs and cats are one of those topics you can always bring up with people. Yeah. And they're going to start talking. Uh, and if they don't, I think they probably don't have a soul. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's definitely we bring that up, you know, and it's we start talking and it's actually funny because a few of the customers, you know, they've reached out to them and they've donated and they, you know, they've, they've helped out. They've become volunteers. They've adopted. Uh, it's, you know, it's really, really awesome. You know, we, we definitely, as a studio, part of giving back to our community, you know, we definitely try to help them out with funds whenever they need it or items or, you know, stuff like that. Uh, but it's really, really cool being able to see, you know, and it goes back to that whole kind of progressive forward thinking thing, you know, uh, seeing like, you know, people think of like Chihuahua ladies and they're like all these old, old hags running around with these little dogs, you know, in their purses, you know, and here's Tammy, like she's tattooed with dreads, you know, and she's like slinging these puppies left and right all across the country. It's pretty, <laughs> really, it's really awesome. You know, yeah. they, they do a monthly transport every month and they usually will take about 30 to 40 dogs up the new England coast up to Canada. Wow. Uh, you know, and that's aside from what the local adoptions they do here, uh, seeing the way she was able to really, really build their social media following. You know, it was I, three, four years ago. They barely started the Facebook for that rescue. And they're already over like 15,000 followers, probably closer to 20. Wow. Uh, yeah. You know, and it's definitely it's one of those things where it, it tugs at people's heartstrings. You know, she'll, yeah. she'll get certain dogs, you know, and she knows they're going to have potential to to really be something special and she'll tag them and work with them. And next thing you know, you know, they've got this really great family wanting this dog who they know is going to be a little bit to work with, but they want to love it anyways. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that, that's really cool. You know, I, you know, there are those years at conference where Tammy's there and she's always got like, you know, some puppy head like poking out of her shirt or something like that. And it's always just really adorable to see it. It's like, it's very heartwarming. Even for people that don't have hearts, you know, it, it'll, it'll warm your cockles. Uh, and it's just, it's just sweet to see it, you know? And so it, it's, it's cool that, you know, you, you do that to, to help out, uh, you know, a little creature that needs the love and attention. Yeah, you know, but I, I, it's actually really, really, it's really funny tying back to what we were talking about earlier, you know, having having had the experience of working with the board and seeing the way the, the board for this nonprofit is ran, It's it's been able to help me kind of help Tan with some of her struggles as their organization grows, uh, you know, being able to give her some advice, you know, on the way the way we handled certain situations that did things. Uh, so it was really, really awesome being able to see how that board experience that I had just a couple of years ago was already being able to put be put to use in other ways. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, all right, so I, I think that kind of would wrap it up. Um, one more time, you know, where would people find you uh, in, in the real world versus uh, online? Yeah, in the real world, I'm at Dandyland, which is in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, and on the wonderful world of the interwebs, my IG and Facebook handle is Piercer Mito. Uh, and then the studio is uh, Dandyland TX on Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. Well, thanks for taking a couple minutes to talk to me and uh, I guess get back to work. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on, Ryan. I'll talk to you soon. All right, cool, man. All right. Have a good one. You too. Bye. Bye. Uh, I think while I still can, I want to trademark the term pumpkin spice generation of body piercing. So, uh, you know, 10 or 20 years from now when there's a retrospective or when people are giving out the Ryan Willette Memorial Scholarship, uh, make sure you put in their uh, hashtag pumpkin spice piercer. 
A um, couple other things going on uh, in uh, about, well, a little under two months uh, is going to be the five-year anniversary of the passing of Shannon Lerat, the founder of BME Zine. Uh, I think I want to maybe try to do a special episode for that. So if you were out there and you were active with BME, if you were active on I Am, uh, I, I'd like to hear a, a little bit of information from you. You know, like give me your, your idea of what BME or I Am or, or Shannon meant to you meant to your career if you're a, a piercer or a, a practitioner of some kind. Um, if you were just a collector, you know, if you were one of the people like me that kind of lived part of their life on I Am, you know, I want to hear about that too. So, uh, you know, you can go ahead and, and put together an, an audio clip, you know, record it with whatever program you want, record it on your cell phone. I don't I don't care. Uh, then you can go ahead and email it to me. Uh, why don't you send it to my personal email, ryanpba at gmail.com. Try to keep it at five minutes or less. Uh, I would expect to get a, a couple of different ones. So, you know, I, I don't want to have any of them run too, too long. I'm going to do a couple of special interviews with some different piercers and other people that I remember from the BME days. And, uh, you know, we'll kind of talk about uh, Shannon a little bit. You know, it's uh, kind of a sad anniversary, but, you know, it's important to to remember the people that we miss. So, uh, you know, I want to hear from you if uh, if you thought BME was, was something special to you. So email it to me at ryanpba at gmail.com. Or you can even just shoot me a, a Facebook message, uh, ryanpba on there, too. Um, you can talk to me, you know, if you're a, a piercer and you have a really good story, you know, maybe we can do like a little, a little interview segment or something. So, uh, have a good day and, uh, I'll see you next week. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.